0: What's up everyone? Welcome back to the planet today. It's June 13th, 2022. I'm your host, Matt Norton here once again with our co-host and producer, Nick Janusa. Nick, happy Monday. Happy Monday, Maddie. What a beautiful day to have a good
1: Monday. I love Mondays. I think they're great. You know, I don't think that they're bad for, I don't think they're bad for anyone.
0: <laughs> you know, anyone complaining about Monday, you're waiting, wasting one seventh of your life so that's such a good point how many
1: mondays have you just been
0: like oh it's monday it sucks oh all of them
1: terrible (laughs) but you know what you're just spending time it's just all wasted energy it it really is you just got to get up and get at it that's all
0: all right let's have a great monday i'm gonna have a better tuesday because uh tomorrow i am seeing phoebe bridgers in concert so that's gonna be sick i saw bonavera last week it's my sad boy summer but yeah phoebe's tomorrow (laughs) nice you gotta send me snaps (laughs) I definitely will. All right, let's do this show. Today, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy with two episodes every week coming your way Monday and Friday. And
1: don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you can, like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And make sure to share our show with all your friends. Post it in your group chats, post it in your best friend's chat.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Nick did mention this one, but also Google. I was looking at our numbers and. I'm not going to lie. Like we do pretty well on Apple and Spotify. We have three people that listen to us on Google. So if you're yeah. listening me now, thank you. Let me know who you are. I want to give you a shout out because like we just don't. Everyone listens to us on Spotify and Apple. <laughs> I want our three Google listeners. We got to do like a giveaway for our Google listeners. We have stickers. We can give you a sticker. Boom. There you go. Sticker. If you're a Google listener. And another way to really help us out, comments on our TikTok videos. It's, it's helping us get exposure. And, you know, even something like, great video, or didn't know this, or this was funny, that's going to help because the more comments we get on a video, the more likely TikTok is to promote it within their algorithm. So come fight with climate deniers with me. Come <laughs> fight the people who are like, plastic's fine, dude. What are you talking about? Help.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Matt needs some assistance in the comments of our TikTok. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a war zone in there sometimes. <laughs> All right, let's do this thing. Saturday, May twenty first, saw a new prime minister elected in Australia as Anthony Albanese defeated outgoing prime minister Scott Morrison. Albanese is from the center left Labor Party, whereas Morrison was from the Liberal National Coalition. Before we get into what's next for Australia, we should touch on Scott Morrison's policies the liberal national coalition is a center-right party in australia which could get confusing for americans hearing liberal in the name
1: yeah so during his time as prime minister the 2020 climate change performance index ranked australia in last place for its climate policies and was the only country to score zero for the same metric in 2021 morrison also dismissed the idea that climate change could be linked to the bushfires in australia during the 2019-2020 bushfire season.
0: This time around, climate change was a central issue for the Australian people, and Albany said that the country has, quote, an opportunity now to end the climate wars in Australia. He added,
1: Australian businesses know that good action on climate change is good for jobs and good for our economy, and I want to join the global effort. He's not yet committed to phasing out coal use or blocking any new coal mines from opening, But he is at least committed to ramping up renewables, which is good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And let's hope that, you know, that commitment about coal use or or blocking new coal mines from opening comes soon. But, you know, this is a good start and and a lot better than Scott Morrison. So Albanese has already committed to working closely with Indonesia for stronger cooperation on climate change, security and trade. He also traveled to Japan to meet with the U.S., India, and Japan and wants more affordable, reliable, and secure, clean energy throughout Australia. What's important here is that climate change is not just important to the Australian people, but to citizens of the South Pacific nations, whom Albanese is now committed to working closely with.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a win for Australia. Like, if you're not on the forefront of climate change and you're not making policies that are going to affect... You know the people who run businesses mm-hmm. positively, you're gonna be left behind like Australia will be left behind if they don't take action on climate change, and Albany sounds like he's the right man for the job, and hopefully he actually takes some some action towards
0: it yeah, he's uh you know I, I was a little bummed when I was reading about the the coal thing, but look, this is a step in the right direction and and you can't really compare him to what I want him to do so much as compare him to the alternative, which was was scott morrison who was doing you know nothing on climate change so this is yeah this is a big deal and the reason this change in stance is important is because for years australian politicians were on the wrong side of history with climate change as recently as 2020 a poll of 40 countries found that australia ranked number four for the highest percentage of news consumers who don't think climate change is serious or do not know if it is serious. And something that they point out in the article that we weren't gonna touch on here, but it's probably worth noting. If you don't know if climate change is serious, then you're probably on the side of it's not serious. Cause like, why are you going to act on something? If you're like, I don't, I don't know if that's a big deal. I don't, I just don't know what's going on. So yeah, (laughs) let's allocate all of our resources to it. Like no one's going to do that in in any, any sort of policy thing here. You know, no one's going to be like, I don't know if that's happening. So sure. Let's do all of this. Let's toss all of our money towards it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's assume that Australia ranked number four for highest percentage of news consumers who just don't think climate change is a big deal. Just over one in five news consumers in Australia regarded climate change as either not very serious, not serious at all, or don't know. Which, again, is probably... No, it's not a big deal. Yeah. The article that this data is from also points out that This is deeply concerning because this poll was conducted during an awful bushfire season. To compare it to the U.S., it would be like U.S. respondents saying that climate change isn't a big deal as wildfire season in the West starts earlier and earlier each year. That is uh, less of a hypothetical than I would like it to be. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Climate skepticism can be linked to where you get your news, and there's a chart in The Guardian article in the show notes that breaks down concern about climate change based on what online news outlets Australians read the most. The highest was The Conversation, where 87% of people were very worried about climate change. The lowest was Sky News, where only 49% of readers were very worried, and 28% of readers do not believe it is a big issue. TV news generally leans more to one side than print media and 35% of Sky News TV watchers do not believe climate change is
0: a big issue. The last factor that we wanted to bring up is age and the results of this are pretty much exactly what you would think. 69%
1: of Gen Z believe climate change is at least very serious with another, nice. <laughs> with another 17% saying it is somewhat serious. The older that a person was in this poll, the less likely they were to be concerned about climate change.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. And only 37% of 74-plus-year-olds believed climate change was very serious, and 20% said it is not serious at all, which is almost twice as much as baby boomers who were at 11%. So I have some thoughts about this. Nick, give me your thoughts whenever here one of course they don't think it's serious because they will not be here for the worst of its effects
1: mm.
0: the thing that bothers me though is like they've also been here the longest so they've seen you know we have 20 how old are we 27 yes we just turned 27 <laughs> we have 27 years on this planet to be like you know it's hotter in october than it was when we were kids they have 70 like they've seen yeah. what this was like for way longer so that's that's what bothers me A
1: much bigger sample size to go off of than us us youngins, and like you would think that they would be like, oh, I I guess I guess they must might have just chalked everything up to just like, God, uh, yeah, miracles. (laughs) I was literally gonna say miracles. Like I was gonna say, oh, like flood. You know, the flood comes in and it just takes everything away, and then there's a rainbow and everything's back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. But on the flip side, I am very encouraged by Gen Z, Millennials, and Gen X taking this more seriously because we are going to be here longer. So at least we are more likely to support causes that fight climate change. The thing that bothers me there is something we're going to bring up next. I don't have the exact numbers here, but this is similar to the United States where Gen Z and Millennials are taking climate change more seriously than boomers and 74 plus year olds. But here's the thing that bothers me that I want to bring up next. Those are the groups of people that are setting our policies. Mm. Like the people that care the least, the people that have the least vested interest because they are not going to be here in 50 years. Those are the ones who are, who are setting policies and and that's the part that really gets to me. Yeah. And, and choosing like
1: profits over or, you know, whatever their own pocket over people who are going to be here for the next whatever thousands of years. The the point I always bring up though in that w- when given that exact argument is like, do you not care about your kids? Yeah. Like most people have kids. That's just a, that's just a straight up fact. Do you not care about your kids at all? Like or their kids? I don't understand how you could just be so like focused on just myself. This mm-hmm. is not going to happen. Um, I don't care if all these scientists are saying it's going to happen. I'm just going to keep living in my own little world, saying it's not going to happen. And hopefully it'll just go away. You know, there'll be a miracle or something like that. I don't know. It just makes no sense to me.
0: Yeah. And and that's a good point too. You brought up kids for, for a long time. This argument was think about your grandkids and your great grandkids. Like it's not that anymore. It's think about your kids. And for us, it's think about me. And for some of us who are younger, it's think about your parents. Like we are going to live through the brunt of this if you are 35 or younger. So Yeah, and I'm I'm reminded here of, uh, I think it was John Mulaney who did this in a stand-up. I'm terribly sorry if I'm going to misquote this or attribute it to the wrong person, but I think it was John Mulaney. He had a joke about like when your grandma comes to dinner you don't let her order appetizers for the table because she might not be there to eat those appetizers (laughs) it's it's the same thing here like don't let 80 year olds set the policies when they're not going to have to worry about you know how much renewable energy capacity we have and how much wetland mitigation we have implemented and how many forests we have saved from being you know turned into paper yeah exactly (laughs) Let young people lead this charge. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. That being said, Grandma, next time we go out to dinner, you are more than welcome to suggest an appetizer, but uh, (laughs) I get final say. Let's just keep it to one. Let's keep it to the one. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about climate change skepticism around the world and one unique person who has given a lot of grief to climate activists in both the U.S. and Australia, and the U.K. for that matter. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's dot co and code TPT.
1: Welcome back to The Planet Today, folks. And before
0: the break, we covered Australia's views on climate change. So now we want to talk about climate change denial around the world. Luckily, it's less common than believing climate scientists. But denial is definitely more prevalent in certain countries.
1: Yeah, so in the same poll we just referenced before the break, the U.S., Sweden, and Norway ranked higher than Australia with the Netherlands, Germany, Japan, Canada, Finland, and Denmark rounding out the climate
0: denial top 10. Only the U.S., Sweden, Norway, and Australia had over one in 10 people say climate change was not serious or they didn't know, which again, we're treating that like it's not a big deal. So only four countries have more than 10% of people saying climate change isn't a big deal. The U.S. was the only country with higher than 15% of respondents not being worried at all about climate change at 18%. There was also an option to say that
1: climate change was not very serious, and the top 10 was pretty similar when considering that option as well. The global average for saying climate change is not serious at all is 6.3% of people in a given country. With 5.8% saying that it is not very serious, 19.2% saying it is somewhat serious, and 68.7% of people saying it is extremely serious.
0: So, look, it is definitely a good thing that nearly 70% of people around the world think climate change is very serious, and 88% of people saying it is at least somewhat serious— But the fact that we still have around 12% of people not being worried about climate change just two years ago was jarring for me to hear. Because you have to remember, 97% of climate scientists think climate change is real, it's happening, it's human-caused. Whatever factor you want to put in there, 97% of people who dedicate their lives to this study are saying, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. So to have 12% of people basically say that 97% of these scientists don't know what they're talking about, that's just tough, man. Like you got to trust the people who are dedicating their lives to research more than something you read on the internet.
1: Yeah. And it's not like they have a vested interest in like something else, you know, like these climate scientists are literally just doing their jobs and they're like, dude, these are the facts. Yeah. You either take it or you don't. Yeah. and, And that's
0: the thing about science. Like it's just the pursuit of truth. Exactly. Science is, is testing hypotheses and finding out what is most likely the truth. So I don't know. I, I, I'm generally pretty pro-science. I would guess most listeners here are. <laughs> so sorry for, uh, for preaching here, but I was, you know, fired up. Something else that jumped out at me is that it's all industrialized countries that are saying that climate change isn't as big of a deal.
1: Yeah, so another article we posted in the show notes says that the countries that most trust climate scientists are India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, China, Turkey, Mexico, Indonesia, Colombia, Nigeria, and Italy. Those are mostly countries that are on the front lines of climate change.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. You know, Bangladesh is considered ground zero for climate change by many of the scientists. So it makes sense that they would trust climate science. They see climate change as every single day you know i would almost love for people who are climate deniers to go visit bangladesh or india or you know one of the areas that we had just listed and try to tell them that their lived reality is not real because it's still cold in january back where you live it's wild like what you just said before
1: about like uh, industrialized countries saying that climate change isn't a big deal mm-hmm. makes me think that they're literally just saying it because it's still lining their pockets. Yeah. You know, like they're still making money off of whatever it is, oil, coal, you know, some sort of fossil fuel and so for them to say, Oh, it's it's serious would be to say, Oh, well, my profession won't be here in a couple of years and that's something that they don't want to, you know, come to
0: terms with. Yeah, and it's tough because, you know, you're talking about Generally, that's a group of people who are valuing their own profession over the well-being of everyone else on this planet. And that being said, you know, people at their core are inherently selfish on some level, whether it's looking out for yourself, whether it's looking out for your mm. family, whether it's looking out for your community, like it's tough to live a lifestyle that looks out strictly for the world. Definitely. And my hope is that, you know, you mentioned people's kids before, if you're thinking about your family and that's your level of selfishness is like my family comes first, you should still care about climate change. And I think the people who don't, they only care about themselves. Yeah, I'm in agreement. It's the only logical answer. Yeah. So, all right. We want to close this episode out with the link between climate denial in the United States and climate denial in Australia. Uh, Someone whom I consider to be one of the most dangerous men in uh, climate history. Rupert Murdoch. Rupert
1: Murdoch was born in Australia in 1931. Today, he is the 31st richest person in the world and owns media outlets in the UK, Australia and the US, including the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post. He also owns the TV channels Sky News Australia and Fox News.
0: Yeah, and Sky News is one of the media outlets we talked about before where readers had the lowest level of caring about climate change out of any media outlet and tv watchers of sky news were even lower uh for any of our american listeners you know how climate denial is pretty prevalent on fox news so the irony here is that one of the articles in your show notes is from sky news if you want to check it out i put that one in for reference and yeah Rupert Murdoch sucks, dude. <laughs> like many of his papers and television channels have been accused of biased and misleading coverage to support his business interests and his political allies. Some people have even credited his influence with major political developments in the United Kingdom, the United States, and Australia. And while we're bringing up bias and misleading coverage, I just want to go on record as saying I do not mind bias. We all have our biases this show that you are listening to right now has a bias, and that's not to say that Nick and I have the same biases, but we each have our own perspectives that give us our own opinions. I, I think we do a good job of laying out facts and then giving those opinions, and you know, not just openly parading our opinions as facts, but a lot of Murdoch's publications do that. You know, They don't lean into the bias, they blatantly mislead people, and that's the big difference. Yeah. And, and it's
1: also like a lot of the time, even the anchors of these shows or whatever it is, don't even believe like what they're saying. They're literally just doing it because it's the next step in their career. They will say anything yeah. in order to get like buzz and then move to a different outlet that has whatever more, um, you know, viewership or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's a good point too. Cause, uh, you know, Shep Smith, who's on CNBC, he was working for Fox news for a while. And then he left because he said they were blatantly misleading the public on a lot of things. So, you know, to stand up like that and do that and leave, that's great. But what about the people who don't, you know, like what about your anchors and, you know, your Tucker Carlson's, your Sean Hannity's who are just out there lying to people and people believe it. And they're like, oh, I saw it on the news. I don't know. It's it's just dangerous, man. It's dangerous to present misinformation as fact. Exactly. Yeah. That's something that should never really happen.
1: In September of 2021, Vanity Fair published an article titled, Will Rupert Murdoch's Australia Climate Rebrand Reach America? It talked about the years of climate denial before a pivot to reporting the truth of climate science. Sky News started reporting features and editorials that endorsed net zero by 2050, and Sky News TV channel even participated.
0: So people familiar with the company denied ideas that the shift, quote, was designed to support or give cover to a particular political leader or to convince the public to change their mind, but instead reflected, quote, News Corp executives and editors have changed based on what the readers believe and want. So if you listen to Friday's episode, we talked about people making a difference, and look at that. The public made a difference here. I want to add a quote from Penn State's Professor Michael Mann, who we have mentioned on the show many, many times. Um, He expressed some skepticism about the shift and said the following. Until Rupert Murdoch and News Corp call off their attack dogs at Fox News and the Wall Street Journal, who continue to promote climate change disinformation on a daily basis, these are hollow promises that should be viewed as a desperate ploy to rehabilitate the public image of a leading climate villain.
1: Yeah. And we also posted an article in the show notes from The Guardian titled Rupert Murdoch doesn't understand climate change basics. And that's a problem. And that was from 2014. Yeah. So definitely go check that out if you want to read more about how long uh, his outlets have been misinforming the public. And a lot of his quotes will be very familiar to you if you follow along with what skeptics say.
0: Yeah, definitely check the article out if you want to get annoyed. We were, uh, we were going to talk about a few of the quotes and debunk them, but honestly, we could not do that in under 30 minutes because there are a lot of things that were quoted in there. And, you know, they, they did a good de- a good job debunking it. I was reading it and just my face was turning red. So I was like, you know what? We'll leave that up to people who want to read the article. <laughs> um, Nick, I want to end the show by asking you the same question that Vanity Fair asked last September. Do you think the climate rebrand that a Murdoch owned brand is seemingly going through right now could make it to his outlets here in the US? So we're talking about the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post and or Fox News.
1: Yeah, I really don't see why not. You know, if it's happening there, why why wouldn't it happen here? And it's not like we don't see that already here. It's same thing as greenwashing, is it not? Like greenwashing is a little bit different where companies do it, but This is essentially the same thing. You're trying to regain the trust of people who have either wrote you off or believe that you're just completely spreading misinformation.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And I guess it depends on how you look at it. So if you look at what they're doing in Australia as greenwashing, which it seems like Michael Mann does, it seems like you do, then yeah, there's no reason why it couldn't come here. I will just, I agree with you. I don't think that it's a genuine idea I think you know they're going to publish more but they're still going to have their spin being like here's what climate advocates are calling for and while that's a good idea a better idea is insert whatever is cheaper and won't get us (laughs) to you know net zero whatever I'm going to play devil's advocate and assume that they are being genuine there and if that's the case I do not think that this could make it to the US because we had 10% more people almost saying climate change is not a big deal here than in Australia you know, you have different publications that are making a lot of money from big oil, from the gas industry, from conventional vehicles and like in the vehicle industry. Like there's a lot of people making a lot of money here and we are very split down party lines right now about how climate change impacts us, which sucks because this isn't a political issue. Like this is no. science, <laughs> this is society. Yeah this has nothing to do about who you're going to vote for. It affects everyone. Yeah. It's, it's not going to care, you know, who you voted for in the last election. It's, it's going to make the sea levels rise regardless. And because of the polarization here and how climate change has unfortunately become a political issue, I do not see a climate rebrand coming to Fox news, the New York post or the wall street journal anytime soon. I think, of all of those the Wall Street Journal has the most potential because they're supposed to be about business and there are a lot of climate change mitigation factors that are good for business. You know, we talk about electric vehicles, we talk about decarbonization of the of the electrical grid. Those are things that are popular, those are things that people are behind and if you're an investor or care about the economy, those are popular issues. So they're not going to come out and say climate change is a big deal. We need to you know, dump money into mitigating it. But they can at least talk about the pro-business sides of climate change mitigation in a way that I don't see the Post or Fox News doing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like we talked about it on the show before, but like, you know, Wall Street and shareholders are are looking to climate as a key issue yeah. when, you know, choosing... What stock am I buying? You know, what's, our, what's our plan going forward? All of that stuff is, is coming to the forefront, which is great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if you're interested in, in this article, uh, first of all, thank you for, uh, for sticking with us at this point in the show. Um, check out some of those articles because Rupert Murdoch has a, a really lasting legacy that I, I wasn't joking before when I said I think he's the most dangerous person in climate change history because he has peddled so much misinformation to so many people and that has made it so much harder to act so yeah i'm I'm not a rupert murdoch fan i never have been um i'm gonna try to keep it civil but yeah don't like the guy matt that makes two of us all right and with that civil closing it out not calling him the pos that we want to (laughs) that will do it for today's episode of tpt Nick and I are going to be back on Friday for some more quick hits. So make sure to follow on our socials at Planet Today Pod for more TPT in the meantime. For The Planet Today, I'm Matt Norden And I'm Nick Janusa. See you on Friday. Peace. Rupert Murdoch, sorry for at Nick. <laughs>